Our second reading this morning continues the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 1 through 14. In the first year of King Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was laying on his bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the other, came up out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and it had wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground so that it stood on two feet like a man, and the heart of a man was given to it. And there before me was a second beast which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth before its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard, and on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. The beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth, It crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This thorn had eyes of a man and a mouth that spoke boastfully. As I looked, thrones were set in place, And the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and was thrown into the burning fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and he was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This ends the reading of God's holy word. May God add many blessings to the hearing of it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we've come into your house and gathered in your name to worship you. Enable us to hear your call in our lives. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts here together be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Our Lord, our Rock, our Redeemer. Amen. I've shared with you before that one of my favorite shows is the show Survivor. 
that I've watched every season. I think I've seen every episode. Our DVR is set Wednesday night. When we come home from siege or play practice, we sit down on the couch and immediately turn it on and see what the tribes are going to do and who's going to be voted off and who's backstabbing who. But one thing I don't like about the show is lately they've been into gimmicks. They try to arrange their tribes. It's men versus women. It's This season, it's Gen X versus Millennials. And so on one tribe, they put all people of a certain age. and another tribe, they put younger people. And they pit them against each other and focus on how the different generations act. And it's interesting to see how there are differences in the generations. But there are a lot of similarities as well. I was reading an article this week that talked about how all generations have some things in common. And it focused on how all generations in some ways often feel trapped. How millennials feel trapped. They feel trapped by the cost of college that they feel they must get because their parents and their grandparents went to college. But they know to go is to dig themselves so deep in debt that they don't know what to do and is it even worth going. So they're trapped between the high cost and the high expectations. Generation X is trapped between caring for their children who are millennials who will not or cannot move out of the house and their aging parents who are needing more and more care as they grow old. The baby boomers are trapped by their aging bodies, by their being forced into retirement, by the the issues that are looming there. Each generation feels trapped. It's something that unites us all. Who here has never felt trapped in one way or another? Sometimes the trap is literal. Our bedroom door, for some reason, has the lock reversed where it locks on the outside. And I often think, I need to switch that. Hannah's going to be old enough to start locking in, and that's all we need is one morning for her to go and shut the door and lock us in our own bedroom. (laughs) Yesterday, she locked the bathroom door and shut the door, and I realized this has become a much higher priority because that becomes realistic. But too often we find ourselves trapped in other ways. We're trapped in an abusive relationship. We're trapped in a dead-end job. We're trapped in grief and sorrow that will not let go. We're trapped in a loveless marriage. We're trapped by substance abuse. We're trapped in circumstances that we feel that there is no way out. Today we read from the prophet of Daniel, and Daniel knew about being trapped. In our first reading, he has built himself up to an important person in the Babylonian Empire, so much that those under him were jealous and suspected him, and they wanted to set him up. So they went to King Darius and said, you should pass a law that any law you make is not reversible. And Darius said, well, that sounds like a good idea. And then they said to Darius, you should make a law that everyone must worship you and you alone for 30 days. They did this knowing Daniel was a Jew and that he would worship the God of Israel. And Darius said, well, that that sounds reasonable as well. And then they saw Daniel praying. And they went to King Darius. And even though Darius liked Daniel, he felt trapped. And so he sentenced him. 
to being thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel was literally trapped. Daniel was trapped overnight in a den of hungry lions. They rolled a stone in front of it. But they were surprised the next morning when they rolled the stone away again and Daniel walked out. Now, I don't know why they should be surprised. Just a few years before, Daniel and his friends had been thrown and trapped into a fiery furnace. And again, they appeared unscathed. It's obvious that Daniel's God had been protecting him, had been watching over him. But Daniel knew about being trapped in a greater sense. The past few weeks we've talked about the prophets Isaiah and Jeremiah and how they foretold the exile. They foretold the Babylonian Empire invading Jerusalem and exiling everyone. And now Daniel is living in that exile. The choir just sang about the people who walked in darkness and these are Daniel's people. At this time in Jewish history, they felt that God lived in the temple in Jerusalem. And now the people have been removed from Jerusalem. They have left their home. They have left their God. They walk in darkness. For many, they felt there was no hope. There was no way out. They were a people living in exile. And then Daniel had a vision. He had a vision of four beasts, each beast representing a different empire. But then one, like a son of man, came and slew all the beasts. And God's kingdom was established, and God's reign came, and that was a reign without end. Daniel was reminding the people that were trapped that no matter how bad things look, No matter how bad things are, God is in charge. And God has greater plans. And no matter what happens in this earthly kingdom, God's kingdom will ultimately reign. Scripture doesn't promise us an easy life. Scripture doesn't promise us that we'll prosper, that we'll be wealthy, we'll be comfortable. In fact, remember, 11 of the 12 disciples were put to death for their faith. Paul was imprisoned constantly. But Scripture does promise us that God is in charge. And that one day this earthly kingdom will pass away and the heavenly kingdom will be instituted. And there will be no violence, there will be no tears, there will be no pain, there will be no suffering. There will be peace and justice for all. And Daniel has a vision to bring hope to his people. To bring comfort. To tell them that although they are a people who walk in darkness, there is a light. A light that is coming. A light that looks like the Son of Man. Who will come and bring peace for all. I think it's interesting that when Daniel emerges from the lion's den, Darius has a complete change of heart. He says, oh, obviously Daniel's God is the true living God. Let an edict go throughout the country that he should be feared and worshipped. He does this because he has had proof. He's seeing God in action. 
But so often we lack that proof. So we subside on faith. We have faith and hope. And that is what Advent is all about. It's about the faith that God continues to work in this world. The hope that Christ will come again, that will wrong all rights, that will cure all injustices, that will bring peace for all. So when we feel trapped in our lives, when we feel that there is no way out, we know there is something greater waiting for us. We know that there is hope. That God is in charge. That Christ is coming. That there is a way out. And that's what carries us when we are in the darkness. That's what keeps us moving towards the light of the Advent candle that we light each week. In the movie, The Lord of the Rings, it's about two hobbits, Frodo and Sam, who, if you're not familiar with it, which I assume most people are, hobbits are, are little people, they're halflings, they're, they're short people, they're, um, they're very humble, they're very homebodies. And these two hobbits are charged with defeating the greatest ev- evil that their world has ever seen. And they have to carry, uh, Frodo has to carry this one ring to this giant mountain and throw it into the volcano that exists in there. And as they travel into the city of darkness and the country of darkness, the ring starts to weigh on him. And he feels that he cannot go on. And he's ready to give up. And his friend Sam says to him, says, Master Frodo, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you. And he picks Frodo up and carries him part of the way. And because of that, Frodo is able to reach his destination. Friends, faith and hope is what carries us. When we feel that we cannot go on, when we feel like there is no escape, when we feel like things cannot get any worse, We still have hope. We have the hope that Christ will come again. That God's kingdom will be established. And we have faith. We have faith that God is still working in this world. That God is working through you and me. Working to make this world a better place. So we pray. We pray thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And we continue as people of darkness, but we continue walking towards that light. Amen.